0: Your Sports Hangout, the Radio Tab Breakfast Show. Well, before Rod Laver and Lou Hode and Ken Rosewell, and even before Neil Fraser and Frank Sedgman, there was a wonderful tennis player from Australia who uh, strode on the world scene. His name was... Jack Crawford, and I'm delighted to say that uh, Richard Norton, uh, an author in Melbourne who has written a number of books on famous Australian tennis players, has written one on Jack Crawford called Gentleman Jack, and he's on the line this morning uh, to tell us about it. Morning, Richard, how are you?
1: Yeah, good morning. How are you?
0: Oh, very well, thanks. Uh, I suppose first and foremost, Richard, what inspired you to write this book
1: on uh, Jack Crawford? Well, I've written uh, books, as you say, on a few tennis players, but not one on the the decade of the, the 20s and 30s so it filled in a bit of a, a block that was was missing for me but I, I I'd written a book on Norman Brooks who was the first Australian to win Wimbledon back in uh, 1907 and Crawford was another of the great players in the 1930s and I, I think um, like you say he he was, before the period of the 50s with Rosewell and Hode and Sedgman but he won Wimbledon in 1933 and and we should remember him um, because he was very close to winning the Grand Slam, the four major mm-hmm. titles in one one year. He was one match away, he got to the final of the US Championship and led two sets to one and then sadly... Didn't finish it off, so he could have been famous for all time by winning by being the first man to win the Grand Slam in that year. So he's certainly worthy of a book.
0: Just on that 1933 uh, Grand Slam, uh, I read somewhere uh, where because he was an asthmatic, uh, there was some suggestion that sort of uh, to clear his breathing uh, in that uh, U.S. Open uh, final during the humidity, he used to take a, some concoction that had brandy in it.
1: Uh, well, was well no, right? I think that. I think there were, there are a lot of stories about it nobody is there's, there's lots of stories about it one of the american players said they to calm him down they handed him uh, some sort of concoction uh but look many of the players back in the 20s and 30s used to um sort of have a little uh, a little sort of bit of brandy at the side of the court to um Give them a bit of extra energy as they were changing ends. Things are a bit different than they are now, probably, but um, but I, I don't know if he was um, sort of intoxicated <laughs> at any stage during the match. But 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 the score line is very strange because he he led two sets to one and then uh, uh lost. Six love six one or six one six love in the final two sets. So something bad did happen to him in that match. But I think we have to. Uh, he he, as you say, was a, a bad asthmatic, and he had had a very gruelling match the day before, and he had had a very a difficult um, year by by playing a lot of tennis throughout the year. So I think it had all just caught up with him and he sort of petered out at that final point.
2: Richard, it's a very important book to keep the history of Australian tennis alive. But for you to go back to something nearly 100 years ago, the research must be very intensive. Do you have to piece it together from newspaper articles? Uh, Because I would imagine there wouldn't be too many people living that would be able to
1: recount what happened. No, uh, no, that's true. I, it, there's a lot of material there. It's um, and the the newspaper accounts of uh, the at the time are uh, are very extensive, and and the writing of of about the matches in the newspaper reports at the time is was very detailed. So the information is there if you prepared to to do it. And people that have have done this kind of research know that there are things like Trove um, where you can find everything online uh, rather than having to worry too much about it. Plus there are old tennis journals and I was able to go to the uh, MCC Library where they've got a marvellous sporting library collection to gather together Books and material, but there is uh, a lot of work that you need to do, as you say, to to piece it all together. Plus, at, at the time, uh, the Australian writers there are a couple of uh, marvellous writers who who knew all the people in the game and uh, had had written over many years, so had a, a great view of tennis as as it had been played way back from 1900 through to 1940. So, so they were able to write many stories about Crawford and how he fitted into the period before and and so on.
0: And it was a different time, wasn't it? I mean, my dad was born in 1920 and he was a tennis player and uh, he would talk to us about uh, Jack Crawford and John Bromwich and Adrian Quist and those sort of players. But uh, because I suppose uh, they grew up during uh, the Depression era and... Sporting people such as Bradman and Crawford during the Depression era, they were significant Australian figures, weren't they?
1: Well, they they were. I, I think everybody knew who they were, and I think people used to listen to their matches on the radio yeah. and uh, have... Um, I, I remember, because m- my father was probably the same generation as as your father, and he... I can remember being a little kid and him talking about Vivian McGrath, the, the the young man who played alongside Crawford and was his doubles partner at different times, When and McGrath beating Ellsworth Vines, the number one American in the Australian Championships when he was 16. And that was a, a match which my father, as a young teenager, always used to talk about. And so I always had this memory of McGrath and was... Determined to study and learn and write about, so so he he is included in this. Is there's quite a lot of material about Vivian McGrath and his story in this book as well. Richard, uh, different
2: era completely. So how did he fund all these travels overseas?
1: Well, a lot of it would have been. Um, well, well, that's an interesting story because he he was always employed uh, by. Sporting goods companies, and there was a a company that actually manufactured tennis balls and uh, now it it may have we tell this story in the book that it may have actually breached the rules of who was an amateur and who was a professional at those times, but they continued to employ him while he was traveling so he was always paid a, a salary notwithstanding the fact that he was technically travelling overseas playing playing tennis for uh, the grass sporting goods company. But if you weren't in such a lucky position, uh, then the Lawn Tennis Association of Australia, as it then was, would have um, been out collecting money to... Um, fund its Davis Cup team, which then paid you a daily um, amount while you were travelling overseas. But I think Jack Crawford was was a very famous um, and lucky person at the time because he was getting his salary as well as his daily allowance
0: and uh, outside of uh, 1933 was obviously the uh, you know a, a pivotal year with uh, nearly winning the grand slam and would have won it before um, donald Budge did it, didn't he so uh, that would have been uh, history making i mean uh, his performance in majors subsequent to that and davis
1: cup uh, record what can you tell us about that well he in that year th- th- these these are some of the little things that are quite interesting about his career so in the year 1933, he got to the final of the four majors and then he was in the final of the Australian, the French and Wimbledon, although he didn't win them in 1934. So he was in seven major finals in a row. Now that, as I understand it, was a record pretty much to be in seven major, major consecutive finals was a record until Federer came along. Um, in in the um, early 2000s, about 2006 or something, and Federer then repeated that. Um, but but getting to seven consecutive major finals was pretty pretty spectacular performance. So so he won he won four Australian championships back in the 1930s. Plus he he won in 1933. Uh, uh, wimbledon the wimbledon uh, and um and the french but he ended up winning seven um, majors over his career and he played in davis cup um, he, he was in davis cup teams for australia between nineteen twenty eight and and nineteen thirty nine and he was in a winning team in 1939, although he didn't actually play because Bromwich and Adrian Quist were the people who Harry Hopman chose to play in that final, um, or in, in every match in 1939. So Crawford was, was considered over the hill by 1939. He was only about 30 years old, but he was, um, he didn't play. But looking at his record, he, he played in um, between 1928 and 1939, a the number a number of matches which no Australian player until Leighton Hewitt, uh, uh, well no one played more than Crawford until Leighton Hewitt came along, and I I don't think it was a record that was broken until about 2000 and. 12 or 11 uh, 11 or 12 so so that was impressive too although to be fair most people um, became professional and were no longer able to play in davis cup in in the 50s and 60s so if you're with me
0: and uh, just a, in a final word on him as a personality and a and a bloke how would you describe him?
1: well well we, the title i think says it all he was regarded as this sort of um, Gentleman, um, the sort of always, um, and he his tennis style was sort of um, uh, a, a, a hugely attractive kind of game, not not immensely powerful, uh, but but very graceful, and uh, he had a way of uh, he played from the back of the court but um but the main thing was he was always regarded as this sort of uh uh incredibly gentlemanly persona- personality and uh, this one point we make in the book was that he was incredibly popular all, all around uh, all around the world really uh, he was Queen Mary, the Queen Elizabeth's grandmother's favorite player, and she was the only player that uh, that lady used to le- leave the royal box to watch. She used to wander around and watch him play it on outside courts at Wimbledon and things of, things like that. So,
2: we're talking to Richard Norton, the author of a new book out, "Gentleman Jack: The Jack Crawford Story." You can get it at all good bookstores or go to Slattery Media online and order a book it's uh, certainly great reading and very important as far as history is concerned with australian tennis richard really enjoyed it this morning having a chat to you all the best with the book and no doubt we'll talk to you again soon
1: yeah thank you very much
2: okay enjoy your day thanks richard there he is richard norton